Welcome to Spirit Speak, exploring the afterlife with Connie and Barry Strom. Your hosts are here to speak the words of the spirits and answer your questions. Now, here are Connie and Barry. Hey, hello, everyone, and welcome to Spirit Speak, exploring the afterlife. I'm Barry Strom, your host, and I will be using my gift of spirit communication to speak to the spirits of three very famous people involved in conspiracies. We'll be speaking with Billy the Kid, Abraham Lincoln, and President Kennedy. Now, because of the nature of today's show, we're not going to take any phone calls. We will next week. We want to spend as much time channeling our spirit guests as possible. Now, since we are dealing with conspiracies, it's important to realize that the channeled words that we're about to speak are the words of the spirits and in no way reflect the opinions of Voice America, our opinions, or those of the sponsors. And I'm Connie Strom, your co-host. This week, we will be channeling the spirits that lived three major historical conspiracies. Next week, we'll have something a little different. We're going to have Winifred Adams as our guest. Winifred is host of the radio show, Making Life Brighter, here on the Voice America Variety Network. We will discuss finding true happiness in life and after passing to the other side of the life veil and some channel some spirits to get their advice as well. We will take calls in our final segment next week to let our listeners take part in the discussion. Now, all of our shows are available on our YouTube channel. It's in my name, Barry Strom. We have almost 400 videos up there. So, Connie, we're going to try to take as much time as we can for our channeling. So let's begin. We're going to start by speaking with Billy the Kid. Now, Billy was the famous Old West outlaw that acquired the name Billy because he was so young, but he was actually born William Henry McCarty Jr. in New York City in 1859. When his father deserted the family, his mother decided to go west with William and his brother. When she died of tuberculosis, William was only 15 years old, and he and his brother had to fend for themselves in the West in a very dangerous environment. The boys turned to cattle rustling and became members of a gang called the Boys. Fate brought Billy to Lincoln County, New Mexico, where he went to work for a wealthy rancher named John Turnstall. When a competing rancher had Billy's boss, Turnstall, killed, the result was the famous Lincoln County Wars. During one of the many skirmishes, the local sheriff was killed and Billy was blamed. Billy became a wanted man and wound up being blamed for most of the crimes that took place in Lincoln County. 1881, he was arrested, convicted to be hung, taken to the Lincoln County Courthouse in New Mexico. Billy escaped, killed two deputy sheriffs, and became hunted by Pet Garrett, the, the, the marshal at the time. Garrett caught up with the kid, shot him in the back, and that was the end of the story until 1948 when an individual came forward and said that he really was Billy the Kid. So, Connie, we have the spirit with us. Let's uh, find out what really happened. Welcome, Billy. Glad to have you back. We have talked to him once before. He's a fun guy. How old were you when you killed your first man, and will you tell us about it? Well, first of all, let me tell you, it was a tough time out west. You had to be ready to fight. 
Everyone carried a gun. There wasn't much law and order. And it usually came down to who was fastest with the gun. I'd practice a lot with mine, so I must admit I wasn't a bad shot. I think the first person I killed was when I was 15 years old. When you went into a bar in those days, you had to be ready to fight. There were no drinking laws. There were there was really not much to keep uh, law and order. I went into this bar. Guy looked at me, called me the kid, a kid, said I was a Pardon the word, snot nose. And we got in a fight. I got my gun out and shot it first. He was trying to kill me as well. So that was the way it happened. But that was, uh, in the old West, that was the way of things. Yes, sadly. How did you get involved in the Lincoln County War? I went to work for Mr. Tunstall. He was a really wonderful guy. Kind of took me under my wing. My father had deserted mom when I, when I was born, so I never really knew a father. He was a really good guy, very kind, helped those of us that worked for him. The, there was a really bad guy with the other ranches and that owned most of the branches, owned a dry goods store, pretty much controlled Lincoln County, and considered Mr. Tunstall a a wrist for him. He had Mr. Tunstall killed. We were out chasing strays. Couldn't put up with that. Me and the other guys got together and we started working on the other guys, the ones that had, that had, uh, Mr. Tunstall killed in one of the fights, the local sheriff kind of got involved. And he was the one that sent the posse after Mr. Tonstall. So uh, the sheriff suffered a bad case of what we called lead poisoning. Don't know if I was the one to kill him, but I do know that I, I was trying. Once that happened, military came in, said, that's enough of this foolishness. And that really became the end of the Lincoln County Wars. But... It also made me a fugitive. So then you aren't really sure that you're the one that killed the sheriff? All I can tell you is I was trying. I know some of the other boys were taking shots at him as well. And it wasn't like he didn't have a lot of holes in him. So I'm, I'll be happy to take credit for it. Okay. What happened when you tried to clear your name? Well, there's a lot of political stuff going on. The governor came to me and he said, Billy, if you, if you, if you talk in court and tell what happened for all the other guys that were involved, then I'll give you a pardon. Now, I thought that was a pretty good thing. It seemed like it was the only way I was going to ever get my, myself clean again. So I did. I went into court. I testified. They pretty much ignored my testimony. And then the governor, he stabbed me in the back. Never gave me the pardon. So I had a warrant out. They wanted to hang me. 
So I didn't have a whole lot of choice at that point. I had to stay a fugitive. Okay, will you please tell our listeners about when you escaped from the Lincoln County Courthouse? That was quite the story. Well, they finally caught me. And the judge said that they uh, were going to hang me. But they had to take me back to the Lincoln County Courthouse to do it. So I went. They transported me. One of the deputies, name was Allinger. He was a real nasty person. I didn't really say what I thought there. He taunted me. So in those days, they wouldn't feed the prisoners in the cells. They took us over. They would take the prisoners over to a saloon and let them eat eat their meals at the saloon. So it came time to take the other prisoners, and Olinger took them, and I remained back in the courthouse, and I had handcuffs on. Told the deputy I had to go to the bathroom. Well, bathrooms weren't indoors in those days. So started heading for the bathroom, and he was gone first. Now, what they didn't know, now, and I had, I had handcuffs on, what they didn't know was that I had a double-jointed thumb, slipped the handcuffs, deputy was in front of me, pulled the gun from his holster, I said, keep your mouth shut, don't say anything, you're going to be fine. Well, sadly, he started running, and I had a shooting. So I ran back upstairs, and Olinger had left a shotgun upstairs. Well, he heard the gunshots, and he comes running across the street, and I'm in the open window with his, with his own shotgun. I said, Olinger, guess what's going to happen? And I put both barrels into his chest and killed him. But he was nasty. Nobody seemed to want to stop me, so I got on a horse, took off, and went about my business. How many men did you really kill? Tough to say. Now, some of them I I killed outright, like the two boys there. But many of them, I wasn't the only person shooting. I would suspect around nine. Pat Garrett allegedly killed you at the Maxwell farm. How about telling us what really happened? We were hiding out at the Maxwell farm. I was seeing Mr. Maxwell's sister, and he didn't seem to like the idea that escape guy with a warrant was going out with his sister. So he tipped back Garrett that we were going to be near the, the farm. He killed a cow. I knew I had to be careful, so... I had my best friend with me. He said he had he wanted some meat. I said, better not do it. But anyway, he goes over to cut a piece of meat off the cow, and Garrett shoots him in the back. I heard the gunshots, came running out, and then they started shooting at me. Bullet grazed my head, hit in the shoulder. But I managed to get on my horse, and I fled to Mexico. Garrett had killed the wrong person. Okay, so he killed your 
your friend. Um, how could Garrett get away with killing the wrong person? Well, there weren't many people there. I know Maxwell would lie for him because he's the one that had had set me up. He Garrett tells everyone, the few people that are there to keep their mouths shut, if it wasn't to get even with them, they bury my buddy just as fast as they could put him into the ground. And everybody wanted to keep their mouth shut after that. They were afraid of Garrett. Now, there was a $500 reward on my head, and I know Garrett wanted it. But fact is, he never was able to collect it because he could never really prove what took place. But he wrote a book, became famous, did a lot of things, and got credit for killing me. Do you see Pat Garrett now that you're both on the other side? We saw each other once. Now, you got to be nice over here, so I just didn't talk too much to him, and I've, I've been avoiding him. But, yeah, I saw him once. So where did you go after you fled the Maxwell farm? Went to Mexico. Hid out down there for a while. Healed up. I was wounded. It... uh I decided Mexico wasn't for me after a couple of years and actually went with Bill Hickok for a couple of years with the Wild West show, moved to Texas, became a farm, remained a rancher, actually married a really good woman, changed my name, but I tried to go clean. I knew that was my one chance. I knew that they still wanted to hang me. So basically, I just went about living a normal life in Texas. So who's Bushy Bill Roberts? Well, that was me. I needed to change my name because I knew they'd be looking for me. I knew an individual named Roberts that had been killed. Figured nobody else knew he had died. So changed my name. Notice I kept the name Bill. But I went by the name of Bill Roberts while living in Texas. What year did you die? I died in 1950. Wow. Why did you decide to come forward so late in life? Well, I didn't. I was kind of forced into it. The, a friend of mine that knew I was still alive, but had kept the secret, was trying to buy a piece of property and Somehow or other, he talks to this attorney, and this attorney comes to Texas looking for me. I started to talk to him. It was, it was just kind of a conversation, and, but finally I did admit it. Told him I was, that I really was Billy the Kid. He asked me if there was any way I could prove it. I said, well, there's a couple other guys I've run around out there that I had I'd worked with. He actually got me together with some of them. Many of the scars that I had, the boys knew about because I'd been shot quite a few times in my short career. The boys all agreed. And I decided that I wanted to try to clear my name. It was going to be my last chance. I was in my high 80s. I knew I was soon going to die. But I didn't want to die with the lie that was against me. 
the attorney actually took me to the governor at the time and he laughed at me. So I did wind up dying with a warrant that they could have hung me with. My goodness. Uh, how can you prove that you were Billy the Kid? Well, I know all the facts, for one thing. I, almost all the people that the attorney used to try to prove it was, they were all convinced. I knew things that, that the, there was only the way that they could. <clears throat> if I wasn't Billy the Kid, I could have never known it. <laughs> hey, what, what all did you do with, in your life after you escaped from the Maxwell Farm until the time that you did come forward? Just kind of lived a normal life, married a good woman, didn't have any children. But I did finally have to tell her who I was. It was a good thing. I, I, I tried to be, live on the straight and narrow. I knew that if they got me, that rope was going to go around my neck. Yeah. So how were you judged when you returned to heaven? Well, they said, Billy, you kind of screwed up a few things. So you're going to have to pay that in some future lives. I just returned from a, from a very short life. I was in a gang in New York City, got killed at 19. They got another life plan for me, and I think by the time that's all over, that things will go well, and I might get back to living some normal lives again. I want to thank you. I hope that I didn't bore you today. <laughs> I know that the two spirits that are following me are going to be very, very special. I mean, how often does an outlaw get to live, get to be around two former presidents? I know they were kind of surprised when they look around and, and realized who I was. So I can assure you that everything Barry just said, those are my words. I hope you realize that you are judged for what you do. I was. It was violent times, so I wasn't judged probably as harshly as I should have been. But I want to thank you for having me. If you ever want to speak again, I'm here. Thank you, Billy. Okay, Billy. Thanks so much. Time to take a short break. Thank you for tuning into my show. When we come back in two minutes, we'll be speaking with the spirit of Abraham Lincoln. Connie and Barry will be back after a few words from our sponsors. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Is death the end of the journey of the soul or a time of new beginnings? Is there proof of an afterlife? What would historic figures say if they lived today? Psychic and channeler Barry Strom uses his gift of spirit communication to answer these questions and explore all aspects of the hereafter. Have all the information necessary not to fear life's final journey. Tune in to Spirit Speak, exploring the afterlife with Connie and Barry Strom. Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device. 
including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Psychic and author Barry Strom has now published nine books dealing with supernatural subject from ghosts to aliens. His most recent books, Messages of God and Messages of the Prophet Muhammad for a Modern World, bring you the channeled messages of the founders of Christianity and Islam. Their words are intended to guide their followers through these modern times. These books are available in softcover and ebook on Amazon.com. Signed copies of all of Strom's books are available on his website, www.barrystrom.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Spirit Speak, exploring the afterlife. Here are your hosts, Connie and Barry Strom. Hey, welcome back, everybody. I hope you enjoyed Billy the Kid. Uh, I know I always enjoy talking to him. So anyway, Connie, give us a little background concerning the Lincoln Conspiracy. Yes, on Good Friday of 1865, President Lincoln and his wife attended the Ford's Theater to watch the play Our American Cousin. The famous actor, John Wilkes Booth, entered the private box where Lincoln was watching the play and fired a single shot into the head of President Lincoln at a point-blank range, killing him. Booth jumped up to the stage, tangling his spur in a banner, broke his leg, escaped the theater, and fled on horseback. One of the largest manhunts began with over 10,000 federal troops participating. Twelve days later, Booth was captured and shot at the Garrett Farm in Virginia. For specific orders were out that Booth was to be captured alive. With four months, within four months, all the active participants in the crime were hung and no photographs were taken of the body of Booth. Okay, President Lincoln, we have channeled with you several times before. So thank you very much for coming forward for us and... Connie? Yes, welcome, President Lincoln. Now it's your turn to tell us the truth. <laughs> uh, do you have any, did you have any premonitions that something was going to happen to you? Yes, I was a bit psychic, and I had a dream. In that dream, I saw that I would be entering heaven. Didn't really know when. But I definitely had a bad feeling something bad was going to happen. General Grant and his wife were supposed to go to Ford's Theater with you to see the play. Uh, why did he cancel going? General Grant and I got along pretty good. But I must admit that his wife, Julia, didn't get along too well with my wife. She'd been having a lot of mental problems since our son had died. And... I think it was that they just didn't feel like going with us on that day. I did find out later that Ed, Ed Stanton, my Secretary of War, 
had talked to him and told him that uh, he had some friends that wanted to go in his place. So it was, I think it was really at Stanton's suggestion that he didn't go. How would you characterize your relationship with Edwin Stanton? Well, Stanton was sent was the Secretary of War, as I said, and he was awful arrogant. Stanton always thought he knew more than anybody else. A lot of the other guys in my cabinet didn't care too much for him. He and my Vice President Johnson did seem to get along, but uh, I thought I had a half-decent relationship with him. What happened after Booth fired the shot that killed you? Well, I was taken across the street, but it was a fatal shot. He didn't miss. I know that Booth escaped. He had had a couple people working with him. I know he went down to Mary Surratt's down in Clinton, Maryland. They had firearms and stuff stored there. Booth broke his leg trying to get away. He did get tangled up in the banner when he fell to the stage. Dr. Mudd set that wound, that broken leg for him. And Booth then headed further south. Now, that's where the story that you're told and the truth starts to differ a bit. Apparently, well, not apparently, I know it for a fact, but Stanton and Johnson were two of the main perpetrators in having me killed. They had actually hired Booth and his buddies, and Johnson wanted to be president. Stanton wanted to be his vice president. So they actually arranged that Booth could get away. Booth continued his escape. His partner, David Harold, crossed the Potomac and had another fellow with him. They went into this barn down near Port, what is now Port Royal, and They set the fire to the barn. Harold came out, but the fellow that was with him was killed. Now, as it turns out, the fellow that was with Harold wasn't Booth, but it was a guy that they had captured that looked a lot like him. So with the fire and with him being shot in the neck or head, they proclaimed that they had killed the person that killed me. They came back, brought the body back to Washington, never took any pictures of it, did an autopsy, didn't have the results of the autopsy, never took any any photographs of Booth 
after he was killed. Stanton and Johnson, who's now president, tried the conspirators as quickly as he can. He could. They hung the four most active that knew the most as quickly as possible. Sentenced the rest of them to different jail terms. But the rest of them were told before they went to jail that they would be pardoned and they just need to keep their mouth shut. Who was the person that was killed? He was actually a Confederate soldier, a captain, that just simply looked an awful lot like Booth. He was he was picked by Stuart or by Stanton, I'm sorry. And the military had arranged what was going to take place. Everyone that was involved was sworn to secrecy, obviously. Many of them actually thought it was Booth that was killed. Okay, so Booth was actually a hired assassin. It wasn't all on his own that he did that. Um, Who all was responsible for the plot to have you killed? Was it just Stanton and Johnson, or were there others involved? No, there were others involved, but they were not nearly as active. Mostly it was people that were on my, my cabinet. I think what happened, well, I know what happened. They knew that I had plans to rebuild the South. They knew that I was going to have forgiveness as a large part. I knew God wanted the South to be forgiven. There were many in my cabinet that wanted the South to be punished for the war. There were many that figured they could prosper financially from it. So there were many that wanted me killed, and I simply never realized it. What happened to Booth after this? Well, Booth goes to Kentucky, which was a southern state. Figured you'd have a lot of support down there in the war. Actually marries a woman, gets her pregnant. The woman's previous son heard Booth confessing and talking about the fact that he had killed the president. Booth realized it, threatened the kid, and then in the middle night takes off, abandons his pregnant wife in Kentucky. He heads for Texas, opens a saloon in Texas, and lives there for several years. Okay, what all happened while he was in Texas? Did he change his name? Yes. He changed his name to St. Helens. Actually, keeps first name, so it's John St. Helens. Now, while he's living in Texas, and Booth was a good-looking guy, 
he starts to have a relationship with a woman down there in Texas, even though he's still married in Kentucky, but has no intention of ever going back. So the woman is actually planning, they're planning a marriage. Well, one of her best friends happens to be U.S. Marshal. Now, when Booth hears the mar- this guy is going to be invited to the wedding, he figures that the marshal will probably recognize him. Booth takes off and heads for the, for more towards the frontier of Texas. Works as a bartender. Becomes an alcoholic. Lives a fairly normal life. But he knows that he's still on the run. Now, it's not thought that people know he's still alive, obviously. But he becomes very careful. So while Booth is living out on the frontier, he becomes really sick. Now, being an actor that he is, he wants people to understand. So he thinks he's dying. So Booth is on his deathbed, so he thinks, and confesses that he really was Judd Wilkes Booth, that he wasn't killed. Sadly for Booth, doesn't die. He lives. So now he's in a position where he's told people that it's that he's really John Wilkes Booth, but He's got a problem. So as soon as he's healthy enough, he heads for Oklahoma. Now, in those days, Oklahoma is a fairly wild spot as well. He becomes a house painter in Oklahoma. Now, there was an attorney back in Pennsylvania that got word about Booth's confession. So that arouses his interest, and he starts to do a little research. So Booth is now living in the town of Enid, Oklahoma. Becomes a drunkard. Has a fit of conscience. And Booth Booth actually commits suicide in Enid, Oklahoma. This is in the year 1903. Well, this attorney (laughs) finds out in the papers, because before Booth dies and commits suicide, once again, he tells people that he's really John Wilkes Booth. This guy finds out that Booth is dead, travels to Enid, Oklahoma, and has his body mummified. Pays off the undertaker and takes Booth's body. Now he dies, and the attorney's wife is wondering what to do with this body of John Wilkes Booth. So he sells it, or she sells it to a carnival. The carnival 
actually travels around with Booth's body for many years. It was on display at one of the world's fairs. And eventually, it winds up back east. And the last time that it was witnessed was actually in the 1970s in Pennsylvania. So where this body is today, nobody knows. Hopefully somebody put it in a landfill and got rid of it. I would agree with you on that. So now that you're on the other side, do you and John Wilkes Booth ever see each other? When Booth came over, he was sent to some lower levels. Not the lowest, which I think he should have gone to, but he was sent down pretty far. I'm on upper level, so I could have gone down and seen. But, you know, I really just never wanted to meet up with him. That's very understandable. Thank you so much, President Lincoln. Do you have a final message for our listeners? Yes, I want to thank you for allowing me to come through again. I know that the story I just told you is far-fetched. But I did want people to know the truth. I did want people to understand that what happened to me was a much larger event than you can ever conceive of. Stanton and Johnson got away with it. Johnson became president, but the irony was he was almost impeached and very unpopular. When they came over, they were actually judged more harshly than Booth. Sadly, history keeps repeating itself, and I know that President Kennedy is going to tell you his story in the next part of the show. It is very sad that there is so much evil in the world. That evil still firmly exists. You have to understand that it is only through a strong police force from electing honest people that the country can still exist. So thank you for allowing me to come through. I hope you enjoyed the story. It's true. That's the way things happen. Thank you, sir. Okay, let's take a short break. Another short one. We come back with President Kennedy, and I know you want to hear from him. Connie and Barry will be back after a few words from our sponsors. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Psychic and author Barry Strom has now published nine books dealing with supernatural subject from ghosts to aliens. His most recent books, Messages of God and Messages of the Prophet Muhammad for a Modern World, bring you the channeled messages of the founders of Christianity and Islam. Their words are intended to guide their followers through these modern times. 
These books are available in softcover and ebook on Amazon.com. Signed copies of all of Strom's books are available on his website, www.barrystrom.com. Connect with us, and we'll connect with you. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is on LinkedIn. Get the first word about happenings with the network, where our next live event will be, and what's up with our hosts. Look up Voice America on LinkedIn. Is death the end of the journey of the soul, or a time of new beginnings? Is there proof of an afterlife? What would historic figures say if they lived today? Psychic and channeler Barry Strom uses his gift of spirit communication to answer these questions and explore all aspects of the hereafter. Have all the information necessary not to fear life's final journey. Tune in to Spirit Speak, exploring the afterlife with Connie and Barry Strom. Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Welcome back to Spirit Speak, exploring the afterlife. Have a question for Barry or their guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5788. That's 866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. Thanks for sticking with us. Connie, let's hear a little short background about what happened to President Kennedy, according yeah. to history. It's hard to believe, but it's almost 60 years since President John F. Kennedy was killed while riding in an open vehicle in Dallas, Texas, and his vice president, Lyndon Johnson, became president. The accused killer, Lee Harvey Oswald, was arrested and then killed by a nightclub operator, Jack Ruby. Ruby then dies in jail. It was a very difficult time in American history. It was at the height of the Cold War with Russia. Khrushchev had just attempted to place nuclear weapons in Cuba. Fidel Castro was turning Cuba into a communist nation. Two years earlier, our CIA had failed to remove Castro from power in what history refers to as the Bay of Pigs invasion. Bobby Kennedy, the president's brother, was appointed attorney general and began to prosecute organized crime. It was the early days of the Vietnam War, but Kennedy was considering withdrawing and not getting America further involved, much to the chagrin of the military complex. We will channel with the spirit of the president, and he will tell us what really happened. This is not fake news, folks. This is the real thing. President Kennedy, thank you so much for joining us again. Why did you take such a chance by riding in that open vehicle in Dallas? I was assured by the CIA and the Secret Service that it would be okay. I had doubts, but I did not want anybody to think that I was a coward. So sadly, I did listen to them. Sir, you were never a coward. Did Lee Harvey Oswald fire that shot that killed you? No, absolutely not. He was a scapegoat. A scapegoat. Oswald did not fire that shot. How many shots struck your body? I was hit by two rounds. I was hit one in the head and one in the throat. Where did the shots originate? The shot that hit me in the head originated from the roof of the book depository building. The conspirators had set up on the seventh floor to make it look like the shot came there. But the shooter 
that hit me in the head was on the roof. The second shooter was behind a fence on the on the knoll. Okay, so how many shooters in total were involved? There were actually five of them. Two fired. There were three there that were ready for backup in case the, for the first two missed. But of the active shooters, there were only two. Who was the shooter on the roof? <clears throat> the shooter on the roof's name was Frank Sturgis. He, he fired at me. He was an excellent shot. And he was the one that hit me in the head. The shooter on the Knoll's name was Hunt. Who was responsible for this conspiracy that killed you? The, there were many. I had made quite a few enemies in my short period as president. Bobby was going after organized crime. Hoover had ignored, pretty much ignored organized crime while he was in charge of the FBI and the Justice Department. Lyndon Johnson wanted to be president. Lyndon had ties with organized crime. Lyndon had done many things that I did not realize in his past in order to gain the powers that he had. We told Lyndon that he would not be on the ticket as vice president for second term when I ran. He was enraged. Lyndon always wanted to be president. What he did was to realize that the only way that he would become president was if I was to be assassinated or die. He was the real power behind the conspiracy to have me killed. He had many other people involved with it. He had backup from organized crime. My father had made enemies through his life as well. He had been associated with crime. There were many that were willing to help Lyndon. He is the one that made the final decision. He is the one that had the power to put together all of the moving parts that were necessary not only to have me killed, to have Oswald blamed for the murder, and to bury all the evidence after the crime. So, yes, it was my vice president that made the greatest, that made the major decision for the conspiracy. How big a role did the organized crime play in that? They had many backup people available. 
probably one of the largest roles they played was when Officer Tippett was killed. Officer Tippett was involved in the conspiracy. He was a, his role was to kill Oswald when he came out of the book depository. Tippett decided that he did not want to carry out his role. So he was killed to keep him quiet. He was actually supposed to play a major role in the assassination by making sure that Oswald was not arrested. Hey, Oswald was arrested in a movie theater. Did he play any role in the assassination? No. He was supposed to, as I said, he was supposed to, to kill Oswald when he came out of the, the book depository. And that way, it would have been clean in order to assure that Oswald had full blame for the shooting. Yeah, the next day, while he was being transported, Jack Ruby killed Oswald. How and why did that take place? Ruby had mob connections, and they threatened him. They told him that they would kill his family. He was in a position that he, he was close to the police. So when they transported Oswald, he was killed by Jack Ruby. Are all of the individuals involved in this shooting now on the other side? Yes, they're all over here. Have you ever seen Lyndon Johnson since you've been on the other side? When he first came over, I made sure that I was there so that he would see me. I wanted him to know that I knew everything. I wanted him to know that he was going to have a very, very difficult judgment. Johnson was sent to the lowest level for what he did. I could have done much good if I had been able to continue. I could have saved many, many lives. I knew that Vietnam was a mistake. I would have gotten us out of Vietnam. I would have done much. But sadly, he cut all of that short. Yes, it was very sad. I was heartbroken. Do you think the truth will ever become public knowledge? Some of it will. Some of the information has been destroyed. So much of it will not, is no longer available. Keep in mind that individuals have had 60 years to doctor the information. True. The Warren Committee whitewashed everything. The, white, the Warren Committee had access to much information, and they destroyed quite a bit of it. The, many of the investigators were told what the results they needed to find. There will be some information come out, but I am sure that you will never know the full truth. Thank you so much for joining us, Mr. President. Do you have a final message for our listeners? Yes, I want to thank you for allowing me to come back. I know that I've 
channeled with you on many times, and I've given you much of this information before. I know that you're trying very hard to bring the truth to people. I felt the least I could do was try to help you out as well. I wanted to do right. I did many things that were wrong, like everyone else. I made mistakes. I know that I had affairs I should not have had, but I really and truly tried to do what was right for the country. That was always my my foremost thought. I hope that people will take time to elect strong representatives that represent them. Both of your parties, Democrats and Republicans, are refusing to cooperate. Until they learn to cooperate, I can assure you that things will not get better. So thank you very much for having me. Thank you for allowing me to come through. I certainly appreciate the opportunity to speak the truth. As as time passes, I know that many people have lost interest in my killing, but I truly thank you for giving me this opportunity. So goodbye. Thank you, sir. Okay. I hope you enjoyed that. Those were actually the spirit speaking. I assure you when I sit down, I have no idea what I'm going to be saying. Of course, Connie accuses me of not knowing what I'm saying anyway. However, next week, we'll have our guest, Winifred Adams, host of Making Life Brighter, here on the Voice America Variety Network. She is a wonderful person, tries to do good. We're going to be discussing finding true happiness. We're going to be channeling a couple spirits that are going to give you some advice. If you know your friends, if you have some, tell us about it. I guarantee you it's going to be a good show. I currently have nine books listed on Amazon. My latest book, Messages of God for Modern World, consists of 60 messages that we channel on our Wednesday morning podcast, A Weekly Message from Jesus. Makes a wonderful daily devotional. Great gift for friends. The book is available soft cover as an ebook. Within the next couple of weeks, we'll have it coming out in Spanish so that all of our Spanish-speaking friends can have a copy. Signed copies are available on my website, barrystrom.com. I'd like to thank you all for joining us on the Voice America Variety Radio Network. If you'd like to see more of our channelings, we have almost 400 videos on our YouTube channel. It's in the name of Barry Strom. Now, you all have a wonderful week. God bless you all. Okay, I hope you enjoyed hearing the three conspiracies today. I can assure you that was the words of the spirits. I know many of you are going to doubt it, but I've been doing this for quite a while now, and I have plenty of proof up on our YouTube channel. I'd like to thank all of you for listening. I would like to thank all of you that are telling your friends about our show. So join us. Join us on Tuesday mornings at 9 a.m. Pacific time on the Voice America Variety Radio Network. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Spirit Speak, exploring the afterlife with Connie and Barry Strom. 
Tune in next week for another informative and inspiring episode on the Voice America Variety Channel at 9 a.m. Pacific Time. Thank you.